a focus summary of the first half of Act One of Cyrano de Bergerac. The play opens at a play. The floor is a bustling scene, with cavaliers practicing their fencing, lackeys playing at dice and cards, a guardsman pursuing a kiss from a flower girl, pages getting ready to fish for wigs, cut purses preparing to ply their trade, and a gentleman, with his son in tow, seeming to be the only one among them there to appreciate the play itself. Above them, in the boxes, the nobility take their places. Liniere enters arm-in-arm arm with Christian. We learn something about the former when he is greeted by the question, still sober, at this hour? And about the latter when Quigy, seeing him for the first time, whispers to Brissaille, A fine head, is it not? The profile. Christian is a strikingly handsome man, Liniere a notorious drunk. We then learn that Christian is yet another who has not come to see the play, he has come to see a member of its audience. He is dying of love for a woman he has glimpsed there many times, and desperate for the introduction he hopes Liniere, who knows everyone, can make. He expresses one fear, that she might be one of those aesthetes, intellectuals, since the fine manner of speaking and of writing nowadays is not for him. He is a soldier. He has no wit." When Christian sees that her box is empty, Liniere makes a move to go, because he is thirsty, until the orange girl offers him first orange juice, no, then milk, no, then muscatel, and he agrees to stay. Ragano appears and is introduced to Christian by Liniere as poet, pastry cook, and patron of the arts. He paid his way into the theater with pies, and he is always willing to trade pastry for poetry. Ragano is astonished to learn that Cyrano has not arrived, since he has forbidden Montfleury from appearing on the stage for three weeks, and yet Montfleury still dares to play. When a marquis asks, This Cyrano, who is he? The answer is one we will learn holds a double meaning. Oh, he is the lad with the long sword. Quigy then calls him an extraordinary man, and there is a round of amplified agreement. The best friend and the bravest soul alive. Poet, swordsman, musician, philosopher. Such a remarkable appearance, too. We learn that what makes his appearance remarkable is a nose so impossible, so exaggerated, that upon seeing it you are convinced he will soon take it off. But Liniere warns, he keeps it, and God help the man who smiles. Roxanne then arrives and takes her place in the boxes, while the men let out excited cries of admiration. It is she that Christian has awaited, and Liniere informs him that she is Madeleine Robin, Roxanne, cousin to Cyrano. In the description that follows, Christian is dismayed by the word intellectual, but heartened by the word unmarried. When Christian asks who, then, is the man with her, Liniere explains that he is the Comte de Guiche, a man in love with her, but married to the niece of the Cardinal Richelieu, and who therefore is trying to wed her to his friend Valvert, who is accommodating. It is a situation ripe for satire, and Liniere has written a song about it. Christian's anger inflamed, he goes to confront this Valvert, 
when he discovers that Roxanne is looking at him. In Christian's transfixed distraction, Liniere makes an exit, saying he's thirsty. When de Guiche calls Valvert, the name awakens Christian from his reverie. He reaches in his pocket for his glove and finds instead the hand of a cut purse. The cut purse begs to be let go in exchange for information. Liniere is to be ambushed by a hundred men at the Port de Nelle. He suggests that Christian go around to all the taverns and leave a note of warning, and Christian, reluctant to leave Roxanne, but loyal to his friend, agrees. There is a sudden hush in the crowd at the entrance of the cardinal, then three raps on the stage, and the play is about to begin. Lebray breathes a sigh of relief that Cyrano is not there. Just three lines into Montfleury's odiously overacted performance, a formidable voice cries out from the back of the theater. Wretch! Have I not forbade you these three weeks? And orders him off the stage. When Montfleury hesitates in indecision, Cyrano arises in the center of the floor, erect upon a chair, his arms folded, his hat cocked ferociously, his mustache bristling. The audience turns against him, urging Montfleury to go on, so Cyrano offers one universal challenge to them all. Would all who wish to die please raise their hands? With flourishes of sword and wit, Cyrano renews his command, until finally he offers an ultimatum. Full moon, he says. I clap my hands three times thus. At the third, you will eclipse yourself. Montfleury dares not stay for that final clap, and he is gone. The gentleman's son asks Cyrano why he hated Montfleury so much, and Cyrano says he has two reasons. The first is that he is a lamentable actor who mouths his verse and moans his tragedy. The second is a secret. As Cyrano turns to greet the ladies in the boxes with gallant poetry, make sweet the hour of death, smiling upon us as you close our eyes, Bellrose asks about the small matter of the audience having paid to see the play. Cyrano tosses him a bag of gold, and Bellrose, seeing its contents, authorizes him to close the play every night on the same terms. A meddler approaches to rebuke Cyrano for this scandal. He reminds Cyrano that the Duc de Candal is Montfleury's patron, and asks who is his. Cyrano retorts that he has no patron, but, drawing his sword, a patroness. He then asks the meddler why he is staring at his nose. Does he find it disgusting, unwholesome, perhaps a trifle large? As the meddler stammers fearfully over his answer, calling Cyrano's nose small, very small, Cyrano then roars at the absurd accusation, telling the man, Know that I glory in this nose of mine, for a great nose indicates a great man. The meddler's blank, inglorious concavity, by contrast, is devoid of pride, of poetry, of soul, of picturesqueness. Valver emerges from the crowd, saying that he will put Cyrano in his place. Ah, your nose. <clears throat> your nose 
is rather large. What follows is one of the most immortally famous scenes in this extraordinary play, the nose speech, in which Cyrano tells Valver what he might have said had he one tinge of letters or of wit. If you didn't listen to the recording and you want to hear this speech in all its glorious totality, you can find it at 45 minutes and 15 seconds. Cyrano ends with a warning. He says these things lightly enough himself, about himself, but he allows none else to utter them. <laughs> 